I want people to feel good. Like that is at the end of the day, like I want people feeling good. I have not done my job if someone walks out feeling bad about themselves. Because at the end of the day, there's always goals to work towards of physical feats to accomplish, but it's gonna look different for everyone. That was just a brief snippet from my amazing chat with today's guest, Madison Rotner. Originally hailing from the sunny beaches of Southern California, Madison is a full-time fitness professional working out of New York City. A graduate of the School of Kinesiology at the University of Michigan, Madison earned her degree in health and fitness and has continued her education with various certifications in and around the fitness space. She's a certified personal trainer through NASM, pre-postnatal certified, Legree certified, and is a certified functional strength coach, CFSC. While Madison has worked in the field at a variety of boutique fitness studios around Manhattan, she is now currently a SoulCycle instructor and has her own on-demand fitness platform. Don't worry, I've linked to it in the show notes. <laughs> Our conversation is so fun and upbeat. Madison is, in my opinion, wise beyond her years, and her energy is contagious. You will not finish this conversation feeling anything but pumped up, motivated, and excited. So please enjoy. Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast, Madison Rotner. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad you agreed to come on Shit Talk. I'm so happy that you're having me. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I thought you'd be an amazing guest for a lot of reasons, but especially just given you're in the wellness space, you're a very well-known and respected Soul Cycle instructor. I think a good place to start is for you to tell me and the listeners a bit about your story. Um, you know, how did you get into physical fitness? Did you have, you know, like an aha moment or is there a specific story that led you down this path? Yeah. So I guess I'll kind of start with the bread and butter, right? I'm, my name is Madison Rotner. As you know, I was born and raised in LA and I grew up, um, competitively dancing. It was my life. And I'm a singer first and foremost. And my goal was always to be on Broadway, like end all be all Broadway. I spent my summers, uh, you know, nine weeks at musical theater summer camp, which is like a story for another time wow. um, and grew up performing. And that was kind of like my backbone. And, you know, through dance and competition, I was really dancing at my peak uh, like 30 hours a week. It was really, really intensive. And as a little girl, you know, it kind of was my foundation of, of the body and physical fitness and kind of how you have to uh, fuel yourself and like physically train yourself to achieve certain goals. So I did my whole life doing theater. And then my parents who are the most incredible people on the planet had a very serious conversation with me when I was like 12. And they were like, listen, do this as your career, but, you know, have the college experience, do your thing. So it was always in the back of my mind that I was not going to go to college for theater and that I was going to have the college experience X, Y, and Z. So I went to the University of Michigan, fast forward a trillion years, <laughs> and um, I was in the School of Kinesiology and I was the first graduating degree of uh, a new major, which was pretty all-encompassing of their existing majors called health and fitness. So it was a mixture of the kinesiology major, athletic training, um, and a few different sport management. So it was really taking all of the fundamentals of that existing school, right? The school of kinesiology and throwing it together for one major. So when I moved to New York city post-college and I was going to start pursuing a career in musical theater, I was like, what am I going to do as my side hustle? Right. And I had this extensive knowledge and degree at the bachelor's of science. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to do the traditional, like 
be a waitress and, and act and I'm gonna I'm gonna teach some fitness classes. So I started at a few boutique fitness studios in New York City. I was teaching at a boxing studio, uh, a Legree Megaformer studio, and that kind of started my, I guess, big push into boutique group fitness. Um, eventually, as you know, I ended up becoming a Soul Cycle instructor. And before all of that, in college, while I was still getting my degree, that's when I got my uh, certified personal trainer certificate. I think it was my sophomore or junior year of uh, college. So that's kind of a very macro, I guess, highbrow view of where it all started for me and how I kind of transitioned into fitness. But at a certain point, January 2020, right before the pandemic, I made the switch and full time switched to uh, putting musical theater kind of on the back burner and really immersing myself in fitness full time. Wow. So you, first of all, I love that Michigan had like a health and wellness or health yeah. and fitness. Like when I went to school, maybe they had it at Santa Clara for undergrad, but mm -hmm. like this wasn't on my radar. So I didn't, I didn't even look at it, but I think it's so rare that colleges, maybe it's more common these days, but yeah. it's rare that they even have something in that field, like yeah. health and wellness, I mean, or health and fitness. No. And it, it was really a beautiful mixture of the way that like my brain worked, because like I said, it was kind of this it was, I was the first graduating class of this major. So 2018 was the first graduating class of health and fitness as a major. And I'm a very math science oriented brain. So the, the physiology, the science of it was so interesting to me. I had to take biomechanics courses, like very, I got to really stimulate that side of my brain, but also, uh, you know, we had classes where, like our anatomy class, like I was able to work with, with plastinated models. Like I was able to look at real bodies, like do real things, which was really, really cool from this physical perspective, but also like the business side of sport management, like the psychology of fitness, right. And how you have to, um, work with, with clients and people and businesses and organizations that will, that will really be effective um, in this field. So it, I didn't realize at the time, because I never thought I would be full-time in fitness, how much it set me up for success with what I do now. That in tandem with my musical theater background and like the performance aspect of you know, teaching, it kind of like was thrown at me in a way that I never expected. Wow, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because you can have all the certifications, which we'll mm -hmm. get into that, all the ones you have in a minute, but you can go to college, you can get a degree, you can have all the certifications, but if you can't apply it, if you don't know how it integrates with a business or with personal clients or with people, you know, I hate to say it like this, but you're shit out of luck. Like you've yeah. got to be able to deal with people. You've got to know how to apply your knowledge to actually help them. I mean, mm -hmm. I have it in nutrition too. Like you could know all the information, but if you can't help someone apply that to their life, it's basically useless. Like yeah. it's, it's not, you, it's not really effective. So you're clearly a people person <laughs> and <laughs> you're, I feel like to call you a crowd pleaser would be an understatement. Like Listen, I'm the youngest of three. So <laughs> we had to fight for the microphone in my family. We <laughs> very, very big personalities. So, you know, I, I, I have to be a people person because there was a lot to talk with. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have found, cause I'm the second, I've had one older brother and I'm the youngest. But I find that the more older siblings you have, the more like easygoing you are, you're mm -hmm. used to there being like someone more important or someone with like a higher say and you have to yes. like go with the flow or like, you know, other ways to get attention or other ways to Absolutely. seek out. Yeah. So it's, I actually think it's an advantage, at least from like 
not that like every first child struggles more, but right. it's just, when you're a second or third child, you have to deal with like very different. You know, yeah, it's very different. You're low man on the totem pole in a lot of ways and just learning how to like go with the flow, deal with criticism, deal with them not being nice to you or like. Yeah. And I'm also by five and seven years. So mm-hmm. my parents had time to figure it out, you know, yeah. <laughs> by the time they got to me, like I, it, the dynamic was like this, it, it became this beautiful dynamic of just mm-hmm. like personalities and experience and life. And then, you know, it's still, it still exists today, even if I'm a full-blown adult on my own health insurance. Of course. Oh my God. Health insurance. Amazing. Isn't that like, that's one of the biggest steps into adulthood. You're like, okay, I'm off mom and dad's plan. Nope. When I turned 26 this year, I said, um, okay, well now I'm an adult. This is, yeah. where, this is where it becomes real. Well, welcome. Welcome to adulthood. <laughs> I um, appreciate the warm welcome. Um, well, actually this is totally random, but speaking of that, my bat mitzvah was 20 years ago yesterday. Um, so for me, like, I just laugh because that's, you know, for those of you who aren't Jewish, that's like becoming a woman or becoming a man. It's like a big milestone in the Jewish tradition and religion. So I just joke with my family. I'm like 20 years. That's insane. That's actually yeah. incredible. The day I became a woman. So welcome to adulthood, welcome to womanhood. It's it's a great thing. But okay, I want to talk about all of your certifications because you have a really well-rounded, multi-dimensional fitness background. Like you started mm-hmm. dancing, you mentioned Legree, clearly now you're on Soul Cycle bike. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so huh, my parents really instilled in me growing up that you have to be interesting and interested. And I think that's really applicable into work, into relationships, both friendships and romantic. And so for me, something that's always been really important is to continue to hone my craft. So I obviously got this degree um, in health and fitness, health and fitness, right? A bachelor of science. And I got my certified personal trainer certificate through NASM um, in the same time frame. And when I graduated college, I said, okay, well, how can I continue to um, learn? right? And, and grow and not stay stagnant. So the first certification I got post-college was Legree because I was working through a boutique fitness studio in New York called SLT. People might be familiar with it. And, um, you know, we were required to go through Legree training. So that was kind of my first, um, I guess, certification post-college. And then after that, I was like, okay, how can I continue to grow, right? And I was working a lot with personal clients. And something that was really interesting to me was, you know, pre and postpartum. So I am, am, it's called pronatal is what I'm, the certification is through. And it's a, a emphasis on pre and postpartum training. And that is a whole different way of, of training, especially if someone's pregnant, because I don't people, I don't think people realize when you train someone who's pregnant, like you're training them for labor and training them through pregnancy. So I don't need to get too detailed into it, but by the end of someone who's pregnant training, you're literally training in intervals based on contraction time. So it is, it's such an interesting thing. So that was my second certification. And then over the pandemic, I was like, okay, I have to be able to stimulate my brain. And Mm -hmm. so my favorite certification, which is kind of my holy grail at this point, is um, I'm a certified functional strength coach, um, CF, certified functional, SC, CFSC, uh, through Mike Boyle. And that is my favorite certification. It is my bread and butter. Um, It's really how I I 
program everything now. And we can get more into that later, but those are my certifications. And then obviously I've trained for Soul Cycle, and that was a seven week, very, very intensive training program, which is very specific to cycling to the beat of the music, BPMs, et cetera. Um, I don't need to give away their secret sauce, but yeah. So I guess those are my my big certifications. And then right now I'm gonna, my next step I think is to get kettlebell and TRX certified because there's like, I train with them, but there's very specific certifications. And I think that's next on my list. Wow. I mean, so much that you said that I like. The first thing, when you said your parents said you have to be interested and you have to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, that for me is, I've never put it into words like that, but I completely agree. You're definitely interesting. Thank you. Um, I can only hope you're interested right now, but (laughs) you're definitely interesting. And, you know, your passion and enthusiasm comes through. And when you're on the bike, I mean, like, I feel like there was no one made for that podium more. (laughs) Seriously. Like I used to be a diehard soul cycle. Uh doer. I had the at-home bike Mm -hmm. in the pandemic. Um, I no longer have it, um, but I'm thinking of like the screen. I'm like picturing the screen. Yeah. And like- face on it. I'm not on it yet. You weren't on it, but you would just be like the reason people, you're the reason people get out of bed in the morning. Like, thank you. I appreciate that. I, well, what's interesting for me is I, I didn't really talk about how I got into SoulCycle, but when I stopped competing in in my dance background um it was my junior year of high school and so I went from dancing you know 30 hours a week to still dancing a, a, a lot of the time but my competition hours decreased dramatically so I was like what can I do that will like feel like dancing and movement that I can like you know have some fun and I found um this bar class that was started by a dancer that was really fun for me and then I found Soul Cycle in 2014 I actually was visiting my sister who lived in New York City at the time and she took me to my first soul cycle class and I said how do I do this for the rest of my life so I started riding in spring of 2014 my senior year of now at this point it was my senior year of high school and um a studio opened very close by to me in LA where I'm from and my I brought my mom and my mom is, she's going to be so embarrassed that I'm saying this. She is next week hitting her a thousandth ride at SoulCycle. Wow. That's it just became our thing. And when I moved to New York City, um, this is like the, the hub of SoulCycle. You know, this is where our headquarters is. There's so many studios. So I started riding all the time while working at these other studios. And eventually the opportunity fell into my lap, honestly, to audition. And I got accepted into training and it kind of just started this like life journey for me. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to see. I love, well, first of all, I love seeing people succeed in general, Mm -hmm. but I love when people are doing something that they're clearly meant to do. Like it's such a pleasure to see whether that be something. I never thought I would be doing it. Like I never thought I'd be the one on the, on the podium. Yeah. I think everyone who was serious about SoulCycle at some point or another considered themselves up on that podium. Like yeah. I have definitely, I definitely had some, some. A moment where you're like, what if? Yeah. Some daydreams that were like, well, you know what? What if mm-hmm. I like, it's like, no. But and listen, there's nothing more magical. Like what, in my audition, I remember them turning on my microphone and I stood on the podium and the spotlight was on me. And it was this like visceral, like movie shroom moment. Oh where I was like, this is it. This is, this is it. And oh it sounds so God. silly, but 
when you do it, you love, it doesn't feel like work, right? Not every day is easy. Obviously I'm not saying that, especially when what we do is so physical, but it felt so right that I knew that I was exactly in the right place. Even if I never thought I would actually get there. Yeah. That's incredible. And you knew you were exactly the right place because if I remember you have like a sixth sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm a little witchy. You're witchy. I I'm am too. Witchy. But I think you, yours is stronger than mine. Like at least last time I saw you, the story you told me. I, I mean, you know, it's crazy. Like things will happen where I'll be like, I'll be thinking about a person and then like quite literally we'll hear from them. Like someone yes. that I haven't thought about in, in a very long time. Like I, I have a witchy feeling about something that's going to happen next month. And if I am right, we will circle back and we will have to reminisce on it, but I don't want to give it away yet. Okay. You'll have to come back. Yeah. Wait, any exciting witchy things that have happened recently? Recently? Yeah. These are the funny stories. It, 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 it honestly just comes down to like me knowing someone's going to reach out to me or an opportunity coming, you know, or people will like speak things into existence. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll be like, oh, I really wish you were doing this. And then an email will come from that opportunity and be like, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, but nothing nothing wildly witchy. I actually did Reiki for the first time. I like, wanted to try it. How it was, was it? Unbelievable. Okay. Listen, with all of these things and uh, spiritual or whatnot or energy, you have to be open, right? And that's with anything. But energy is very much like you don't have to be a witch to experience energy, right? Absolutely. But you have to be open to it. And it was just very relaxing and it was wonderful. And she said a lot of things to me that felt just like resonated, you know, and felt felt a little witchy in the best way. So it was awesome. Amazing. Well, I also, I love that you said about speaking things into existence. So that for me is a great segue because I can tell you as a dietitian, people get in their head, they have crazy unrealistic expectations of themselves, goals, which I like goals, but you know, not always, not necessarily always feasible or realistic. Mm -hmm. People self-sabotage, they get negative, they get discouraged. And I'm sure you see a lot of similar things with people trying to like hit a certain body fat percentage goal or just like work out in general. What do you, how do you see with exercise, like speaking into existence, like the mental component of it? Because obviously, you know, you're doing physical activity. I mean, that's literally what it is, but there's a mental component to it. And oh, I like everything, honestly, everything. Well, I was just going to say as, uh, should I call you a trainer? I feel like you're, I feel like you're so much more than that. We'll say as the, as a fitness professional, it's pretty, you know, as a fitness professional, how do you see the mental component either help or, you know, work against your yeah. clients? Do you have anything, any like things that stand out stories or, you know, just scenarios in particular that you've witnessed over the years where it's like, that person's mental game was like dead on and helped them achieve their goals or the opposite where like they were psyching themselves out. Well, I guess there's two things that I kind of want to bring up because you talked about goals. I am someone who is very, very, very goal oriented. Now, all the goals that I set are tangible. So whether that's in a soul cycle room with me for 45 minutes, I always talk about tangible goals, like something that you can accomplish in 45 minutes that you can check off on a box. And the same thing goes with a week's time frame, a month's time frame, a year's time frame, but everything has to be tangible. It has to be something that you can grasp. So I guess the easiest way for me to set it in a soul cycle setting, um, that will be the easiest way to, to, to explain it. But in 45 minutes, 
you can set a goal to achieve something. It can be as simple as, you know, sweating, right? That can be a very tangible goal. It can be nailing a run, right? Or it can be taking your breath away physically, right? Like something that you can say, okay, I did that thing and that's my goal. And that makes you feel successful. It sets you up for success. I think that the idea of, you know, telling yourself you can and so you will plays a really, really big role because the in the same light, the second you tell yourself you can't, that it's too hard, you're going to start to believe it. I, I, and I'm a firm believer of that. So something that I say all the time, don't even say, I'm going to try to do it because trying gives you an out, right? Trying gives you the, the room to not achieve what you want. If you tell yourself you can, you will. You are that strong, like in the space between your ears that that will happen. And again, that's, that's why I like it to be tangible, like not something that's delusional, right? Mm -hmm. Delusional confidence is a real thing. And sometimes it's successful for people, but sometimes just the strength of being like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this is enough willpower to achieve that. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned delusional confidence. I've yeah. never, I've never heard it worded like that. And I love that wording. Mm -hmm you posted something, it might've been yesterday or the day before, and it was something about advice and it said, be realistic. Yeah. And I was like, that, like, that's what I literally tell everyone. And it seems like that's a huge part of your, you know, you mentioned tangibles, but it also yeah. seems like you're very into let's actually be realistic. None of the delusional confidence. Right. Well, that's the thing is that a lot of people will come to me personally, like on a one-on-one -on -one fitness setting, I'm their trainer. They want to achieve this X, Y, and Z aesthetic goal, physical strength goal. And they're giving themselves a timeline. That's just, I don't want to say setting themselves up for failure because that's not what it is. Anything is possible, right? You put in the work, you put in the time, but you also have to be realistic. So you know, I, I train with a lot of brides and brides-to-be who have these, these beautiful expectations of what they want their wedding day to look like and all of these things. And at the end of the day, of course, people want aesthetic results, but I want people to feel good. Like that is at the end of the day, like I want people feeling good because the reason that I train people or that the reason we train in general as individuals is truthfully to prevent any injury in the future. Like that has to be the root of it all. Everything has to be functional. It has to make sense. And one of my certifications that I talked about, which is the backbone of everything. And if someone is a certified functional strength coach, especially through Mike Boyle, they know this, keep it stupid simple. It's the idea of KISS. Everything doesn't have to be fancy or crazy or, or you know, uh, unachievable. Like let it, be, let it be simple and let it be achievable. And that will garner you way more success over time. I love that. I've actually, I've heard that before. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I don't use that exact phrase, but I have the same thing with nutrition with people mm -hmm. where I'm like, every meal does not have to be like a five course. It's like, sometimes you just need a piece of protein and some veggies. Sometimes you just need to focus on your water, get a big salad, throw a bunch of veggies, throw protein. Like it doesn't have to be the grand moment of your day. Like you need food to fuel you, it, you should enjoy it. You want it to taste good, but it doesn't have to be like you slave in the kitchen for hours and hours and there's a glaze and a drizzle. Like that's <laughs> a glaze and a drizzle. <laughs> I mean, it's not realistic. And there's it's not time for that even. Exactly. So I love that. Tell me a little bit more about your philosophy as a trainer. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of brushed on them a few times, but functional movement is for me, the end all be all. Um, Being able to do things now to prevent unnecessary or injury in the future is the end goal for me. So I guess I'll explain a little bit about my personal training style um, and kind of why and how I root things. Everything is rooted in a, you know, the functional fitness movement patterns. So as human beings, we walk and I don't really need to teach you how to do that. But other things we do is we push, we pull, we rotate, we hinge, we squat, we lunge. And those are the seven things that we really do that are all encompassing. But if you think about lunging and if I were like, hey, Liz, we're going to do lunges, you're going to be like, that sounds awful, right? (laughs) That's not necessarily your bread and butter. Or if I was like, hey, Liz, we're going to do deadlifts. You're going to be like, why? Like, why? For what? Like, do you get my hamstring sore for what? But no, the real reason is if you're going to go down and you're going to pick up your Amazon box, you might as well be able to pick it up properly without getting hurt. You think about people and especially older individuals who throw their back out picking up a box. Ultimately, that's, that's, that's a deadlift right? Or you think about a, um, a mom picking up her baby or, or holding her baby out in front of her. You're, you're pushing, right? That's what it is. So I like to really root things into what people know. And it makes it a lot more accessible um, when you change your perspective on why you are doing something. Because my philosophy is that we're not working out because we have to. We get to. It mm-hmm. is such a privilege. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we take for granted our movement because you can wake up tomorrow and not be able to swing your own two feet out of bed in the morning. And I never want someone to think to themselves, I should have done more. I could have done more. You get to do it and you don't have to do it. And that is so much going back to the mindset of it all, right? The mental, mm-hmm. that's how you have to flip it. That's how you have to think about it or else there's days where you're not going to want to show up. But when you remember that, it changes everything for me. Absolutely. One of my questions for you was going to be, how do you get motivated? Do you ever feel, you know, do you ever have one of those days where you're like, I'm not into it. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. How, oh, yeah. I mean, how do you get yourself out of bed? How do you get yourself like getting on that bike about to teach a class and right. I don't necessarily feel tip top to do it. How right. do you get yourself? How do you get yourself up there? Well, I mean, I say this, I love what I do most days, but not every day is most days, right? So there are days where I have to gear myself up to ride a bike three times. And what I do, I'm it's, it's my job, right? Like this is not the normal consumer or person doing this. So I know my body very, very well. I'm able to listen to it, but it's thinking about, okay, first of all, this isn't always just for me. Um, like there are people who like, I I keep saying like there are people who this is what they're looking forward to for their 45 minute escape, whether it's in the room or one-on-one, this is their time to take fully and entirely for themselves. And especially in New York city, the most overstimulated place on the planet, it's so hard to find those 45 minutes. Mm So some days that's my motivation. It's that I have to do it for other people because they deserve that. And if I were in their shoes, I would want that experience as well. But then also, if I'm if I'm like, okay, how am I going to get myself to do this for me? It's the mindset of I get to do this. I don't have to do it. It is 45 minutes of my life. So I might as well lean into those 45 minutes. Absolutely. Because I'm not going to get them back. It's a privilege. Yeah. I love that. I do a lot of SLT, which I know mm-hmm. you mentioned. You're Legree certified. And... 
it's funny, like I digress a little, but for New York, it's all about convenience. Like I mentioned previously, I used to be hardcore soul cycle, mm-hmm. had a bike. I moved down to Tribeca and now I happen to be really close to SLT and I got into that in the oh, pandemic. And that's- the studio was my home. Yeah. It wasn't like anything bad with soul. It just was like, I moved, everything was closed. This reopened is a block away. Now I'm into SLT. <laughs> well, and um, I remember when I met you and I, we didn't even, we didn't even brush on this. Liz and I met, um, <laughs> a little over a year ago because we share a very dear friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Liz went to school with her, our friend Melissa, but they had just Mm -hmm. come from an SLT class. Yes, we do it a lot. Um, I love going with Melissa because- Gosh, she's so strong. What? She's so strong. Oh my God, she's so good. Well, she's an instructor. I know, I know, I know she is. She's a guru. But so I love like, we'll look at each other and laugh or like, you know, if we're not feeling it or like we don't like the class or not have like a friend um, to commiserate with. But what I find so interesting, something you just said, for me, I love SLT because I think it's so hard. It doesn't allow me to think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really, for 50 minutes, can only focus on what I'm doing. And like you said, like for me, if I'm struggling or a little bored or unmotivated or whatever, I'm just like, okay it's 50 minutes of your day. Like that's nothing that like, and then I picture myself at my desk. I'm like, well, 50 minutes flies by when you're doing like work. You don't necessarily want to be doing. It's like, you could do this for 50 minutes. So like, it's all perspective. It's all how you shape it in the moment going into it. And when you look at it at a macro level, like you said, it's 50 minutes of your day. I I, I should do the math maybe a little bit better, but what is that? Like 4.6% of your day? Like it is nothing when you think about it. Nothing. So, you know, we, we, I think sometimes we psych ourselves up. We're like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. You dread it. You dread it. You dread it. And you're like, eh, this is really temporary. What I'm feeling is very temporary. And we forget that sometimes. Like in an hour, when you walk out of there, you're, you're like, oh, that was hard. You might be sore again for a few days, but what you were experiencing, it's over. You're always glad you went. You never regret going. Never, never, ever, ever. Never. What do you think people get wrong when it comes to fitness? And this just parlays into it because obviously people can psych themselves out. People can frame it, you know, not optimally. What do you, but what do you think people get wrong when it comes to fitness and movement? I think that people think they have to do the most to achieve results. You don't have to do the most. Honestly, everyone is so individual and different and you know that so um, how important that is for nutrition and giving nutritional advice. You have to understand the individual. Everyone's wants, needs, goals are very different. You do not have to be throwing around crazy weight. You do not have to be doing the most high impact, crazy flipping upside down twister class. (laughs) Something good. You could literally walk for 30 minutes, get your body moving. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes all at once. Right. We, we like, we can get up, give ourselves a 10 minute go, go back to what we're doing. And then three hours later, be like, okay, another 10 minute little moment, let's do it. But just being able to move is a privilege in and of itself. And it sounds so silly. I know that someone's like, oh, but like you're saying that because you know, like you get to do this all day, every day and like you enjoy it. But everyone's wants, needs and goals are so different. You don't have to do the most. Don't do the most. Honestly, the most is probably the worst. Yeah. <laughs> It's extreme. No, I love this point. I feel the same way when I talk with people, we discuss habits, obviously movement and exercise comes up. Yeah. I'm not fit to give them an exercise plan, which we will get into in a second. I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. But my point is 
I always say, you don't need to train for a marathon. I'm not saying go from zero to 100. I'm saying go start with a 30 minute walk three times a week, do it four times a week, do five times a week. And like you said, I mean, studies have actually shown you can do three 10 minute walks instead of one 30 minute walk. If that's easier for you. Results. Right. Same results. Good for weight control. Good for blood sugar control. Reduces blood pressure levels. Like there's so and the mental health piece. Ideally, fresh air if you're outside. Like there's so many benefits to just even a little bit. And it's I understand why it can be intimidating, especially if you don't know where to start. Or like for me, I deal with people too who they're not necessarily confident in their bodies. They're uncomfortable or self-conscious going to the gym. It's overwhelming. People are looking at you. You don't know what the machines are for. Like, I get why that's Well, can I make a comment about that? Yeah, please. Because I did like a little Q&A on Instagram recently and someone very vulnerably, and I applaud them, reached out and asked the question publicly. And they said, can you talk about the stigma of going to the gym or going to a fitness class when you do not look or feel very confident or you are not the traditional, you know, long lean body type that you are seeing in a group fitness setting and not feeling welcome. And I said, first of all, it's so much easier said than done, but walking in the door is the hardest part. It really, really is. Second thing, if you are surrounding yourself, and I know not everyone has the privilege to have options, but if you are surrounding yourself in an environment where people are judging you based on either your appearance or your physical capability, you, if they're a fitness professional, kindly and respectfully, or maybe disrespectfully, they need to be out of this industry. Like that is crazy. We are so, it is 2023. I know people who are so much stronger than me and and all of these things who don't necessarily fit that mold of what it's supposed to look like. It's not about what it looks like. It's about what it feels like. And that is what we need to remember. And that has to be the backbone of everything. But I understand how vulnerable someone can feel walking into that environment and trusting yourself enough is the hardest thing that you can do to know that you're in the right place, but really finding an environment where you feel safe and secure and stable and comfortable or rather comfortable seeking discomfort because it's not comfortable. Fitness is not supposed to be comfortable. That's, that is, that is the end goal, right? Like finding the place where you feel successful because that's, that is what it is feeling successful. And that's not about what it looks like. It's about what it feels like. Absolutely. And good for that person for speaking up. And I can tell you in, from a nutrition standpoint, I hear that a lot and you know, I'm like, oh, well, why don't you want to go to the gym? And then, you know, it's a lot of people don't feel safe. They don't feel comfortable. They're embarrassed. And, you know, what I say to them is I'm like, everyone's there to get in shape, whether yeah. they look like they're in shape, whether they look like they're not in shape, whatever that means from your perspective. But if someone's looking at you and you don't like the way they're looking or they're making you feel uncomfortable, it's like, fuck them. Like, yeah. I'm here to get in shape. Like, where I'm saying more about them than it does about you. Right. And it's like, everyone has to start somewhere. So you're there and you're working and you're trying and you're doing it. And it's not really for anyone else's, they they don't really have a say in it. (laughs) Like it doesn't really matter what they're. It's true. On the matter is. So true. And like, listen for, um, soul cycle, I'll bring it there because group fitness is like the best way to gauge it because obviously personal training is very individualized, but someone cannot like my music. They cannot like my teaching style or my personality. And I'm never going to blame someone for that, right? There's a butt for every seat. And that's the reason that it's so beautiful. There's so many options, but the last thing I ever, ever, ever want, and I have not done my job. If someone walks out feeling unsuccessful is 
to feel like they are to feel like they're not successful. I mean, I didn't say that very eloquently, but I have not done my job if someone walks out feeling bad about themselves. Because at the end of the day, there's always goals to work towards of physical feats to accomplish, but it's going to look different for everyone. And that's the point. Because if it was the uniform, it was all the same, we would be robots. Absolutely. And like you said before, it's like, every, for especially in New York, it's like that 45 minutes. Like everyone's there for different reasons. That's yeah. also why goals are different. Like some people are there just to be like, I don't want to be in my house right now. Mm-hmm. It could be as simple as that. It's not about the rug and be like, I don't want to be home right now. For some people, it could be the mental, I need this for mental health. For some right. people, they can be trying to lose weight. For some people, they can be like, oh, my friend wanted me to come. I'm here. Like, yep. Everyone's there for a different reason. Um, you know, it's similar with nutrition. You know, obviously you get a lot of like people trying to lose weight. People want to look a certain way or feel a certain way. And I'm sure you have that as well with fitness. But at the end of the day, like you said, there's a butt for every seat and every butt is not there for the same exact reason. Exactly. I love. I love that. I want to segue into, I touched on it briefly, but you know, you mentioned you're obviously very big in physical fitness. I'm sure people ask you a million and one questions about what to eat, you know, something that goes along with the workout plan they're doing or before or after soul cycle. I know I get that a lot as a dietitian, like people come in, they want to get down to a certain body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. They are like, what should I eat for this, that? I have general sports nutrition knowledge as a dietitian, fine, but I'm not a personal trainer. I can't tell them exactly what to do to get those abs or exactly what to do to tone this or that. I mean, I totally understand why people in their head, they're like, oh, nutrition, workout or workout nutrition. I can ask this person that. But as a, as a trainer, like, how do you handle that? I'm sure you get a ton of people coming up to you asking about nutrition. Where do you draw the line? Like, how do you manage that in your day to day? Because obviously you see people in group fitness, you see them one on one. I'm sure you're just people throw questions at you. Yeah. Well, as you said, as someone as yourself, you know, you're in nutrition, but you obviously have a general knowledge of, you know, my expertise. And I can say the same, like I have a, a, a good and pretty extensive knowledge of nutrition, but I always, always say to my clients, that is outside of my scope of practice. I cannot give the same advice that you can. You spent years and years honing your craft, getting degrees to make sure that you are an expert in your field, the same way that I have done that for physical fitness. So I am lucky to have resources like you and Melissa and other RDs that I love and appreciate and respect that I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I can't tell you what's going to work for you, but they sure can. They can tell you what's going to work for you. So it's hard to set to set a line and set a boundary because I can give, you know, basic nutritional information. What are you supposed to eat before a high intensity workout? Of course, you know, like there are certain food groups that are going to provide ample energy and convert quicker than others. And I can give that basic knowledge. It's pretty surface level, but I'm not giving you a meal plan. I'm not going to give you, you know, the specific macronutrients and fiber intake that you need. Also, a lot of my clients, personal clients, I'll say, are all so individual. I have clients that are about to have a baby or just gave birth to a a beautiful child, or I have diabetic clients. Things are so different. Or you know, women who who experience PCOS, like I'm not going to tell them what works for me isn't going to work for them. I'm also someone who my whole dad's side of the family has celiac. So I 
I, I can't have gluten. And I'm not going to suggest that's how you have to eat because that's how I have to eat. That'd be crazy. That would be honestly uh, pretty unprofessional. So in, in a very um, long way of saying it, I refer outward. I will really try to set a boundary. That's great. Yeah. I mean, because we've talked about, you know, previously and today, but like the intersection of nutrition and fitness. And obviously. it's so prevalent. It, if people try to deny it, they're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's so hard because I do get from their perspective why they'd be like, you know, while you're sitting there training them, why they'd be like, okay, what should I have for lunch for the rest of the week? That right. kind of thing. It's also so hard. Even if someone asks me that kind of question, it's like, first of all, I need so much more information. So much more. And second, I'm not going to tell you what to eat for lunch for the rest of your week. Like, who's going to have the same lunch for the rest of the week? Like, no, that's, that's already set up. I have when I cook for one. I'm like, oh my God, I have to eat the same thing because I, I, <laughs> I have leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, like meal prepping. I do appreciate that and it can get repetitive, but it does make sense. Switch it up every week. But when you're cooking, I cook for one as well now. And yeah, it's like, it's, it's a little different. You're not like, I, I don't slave away in the kitchen. I prepare delicious meals that are like fresh and healthy, but I wouldn't say I'm like cooking. Correct. That makes sense. <laughs> it's not necessarily like a whole to do. Right. I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, no, but it's good that you're open and honest about that and vocalizing it. Cause I'm sure a lot of people in your position either like that someone's coming to them for that and, you know, like, like having not necessarily the power, but you know, they like being able to flex for yeah. lack of a better word. And then I'm sure there are people that are just uncomfortable and don't know how to say to someone, you know what, that's actually out of my scope of practice. Yeah. Give you a general idea of like what to have before you come see me to train, but I can't sit here and tell you what exactly to eat to reach these specific goals. So it's like, you know, if you were to look at like a, a, a general practitioner, right, they can give you overall advice on everything. But if you're having a very specific problem with your right arm like they can give you general advice but they're going to refer you outward to a specialist right absolutely yeah no I think good for you for being able to say that and I personally I always take people more seriously when they can say I don't know <laughs> or right. they can say I don't admit you're wrong you know right. like, there's so much there's so much vulnerability in that because that just means you're being honest right but to me when someone has an answer for everything, I take them way less seriously because I'm like, no mm -hmm. one has an answer for everything. So what do you actually know? Like, what can I actually trust from you? Whereas like, if and someone says- Is everything. Yeah. It, it's like, you can't, like, you can't be friends with everyone kind of thing. So yeah. like, if you're friends with everyone, you're, I know you're talking about me behind my back somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere down the line. Yeah. So I don't trust it. But I love that you're open and honest and confident in your field and with your certifications and what you do. And then you're confident saying, you know what? That's out of my scope of practice. I don't know. Go talk to this person, that person, whatever. I think that's really important. And I'm sure that's, you know, I would say for every profession that's important. And it's something that's probably not done enough where people are just honest and admit that they don't know something or that they can't provide you with the best possible mm -hmm. answer. So people should take notes. Whoever's listening. Yep. <laughs> Listen up. Listen up. Um, Okay. I appreciate that. You know, what you're uncomfortable answering. What do you think people need to pay more attention to when it comes to fitness? And by that, I mean, cause again, this can be really personal, but what's something you see people overlook often mm -hmm. that you think would be helpful in like the training capacity if they, you know, maybe like 
maybe if they looked at something a little bit differently or tuned into something that people oftentimes overlook. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, and the mind to muscle connection is a very powerful thing. So this concept, let's say in a, in a specific exercise, if you're not feeling something the right way, it could be as simple as thinking, okay, well, I'm supposed to feel it here and you will feel it there. And I'll tell you why. The, the mind to muscle connection is this idea that if you think about a certain region you're supposed to be targeting, you could more efficiently and effectively recruit muscle fibers to those regions. So it's a really powerful thing, you know, for, I'll use a deadlift as a, I, don't, I keep saying deadlift. I don't know why. It's one of my favorite exercises, I deadlift guess. Deadlift of but, the exercise of the day. Yeah, it, it is. We'll use a deadlift for everything. But in a deadlift, you're supposed to feel your hamstrings, right? The insertion point right between your glutes and your hamstring. And people are like, oh, I don't really feel it. I feel it in my low back. Well, there's a few things. One, you might be lifting too much weight, right? And don't be afraid or, or overlook the power of doing something effectively and efficiently without like, throwing crazy weight around, figure out how to do it functionally first, and then we can build up the strength. But going back to this idea, you and I could both do right now, we could stand up and we could do a good morning. We could take our hands behind our head, have absolutely zero weight. And I could say, okay, Liz, I want you to think of your hamstrings. I want you to think of that space right where your glute starts, right? That little fold right underneath your butt. And I want you to think of that region. And as you tilt your chest forward, and as you start to lift and hinge your torso, think about that region, lift your tailbone up one more inch. And I promise you, you're going to feel it way more than if you were just going through the motion. I love that. Yeah. Focusing in. Focusing on on what you're supposed to feel and why and how. The why. I guess that's really the root of the question. What are people overlooking? People are overlooking the why always because they want the end goal. They want the result. But the process, way more important. They don't want to do the work. I hate to say it like that. I say that a lot though. That is is the importance. Yeah. I, I say that a lot. Nutrition. It's like they want the quick fix. There's no such thing as a quick fix. And I'm sure you see that even more so than I do. Cause it's like someone works out with you once and they're probably like, Oh, I didn't drop an entire pant size or, Oh, my muscles. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta stay, stay consistent, baby girl. Your muscles not growing in one day. No, it's not. Sorry. But it's frustrating though from in our professions. I'd say that's probably one of the biggest things because I want people to succeed. I want them to get the results they want, but you have to be the one to say change takes time. You've got to stay with it. You've got to stay consistent. And I don't have, you know, you can't put a number on it, unfortunately. There's no like timeline. And listen, patience is a virtue. Sometimes yeah. it's one that I do not possess, but I like, I don't take my own advice sometimes. I'm not patient a lot of the time. And I want, you know, it, not necessarily in a fitness or nutritional setting, but like I want the, the result and you have to give yourself grace and be patient and understand that probably slow and steady does win the race. Yeah. I mean, I actually did an episode on that and I touch a lot on instant gratification and why Mm. we're so drawn to it. And it's just, our brains are programmed more so to seek out the instant gratification. But I can tell you in my ripe old age of 33, I've become much more patient Mm. in a variety of ways of life. And I'm not going to say it makes things easier because you do need to practice the patience and you need to you're aware of it and you're aware that you don't necessarily have what you want in the second you want it. But it's so, so important. And I can tell you, it makes life so much easier when you're like, my expectations are realistic. I have a realistic timeline. I need to be patient. And then I can get all riled up in, you know, X amount of months 
if I'm not where I want to be or, you know, whatever the scenario it's, I mean, you can say that for any aspect of life, in my opinion. No, it's, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm sure I can only imagine with, for, I have to say as a dietitian, that's where I really get like the most frustrated. I'm sure for you, there's some frustrations too, where it's like, you want people to succeed, but they're not being realistic. And they're coming to you kind of like, well, you know, nothing's really changed. You're like, well, I've seen you twice. Right. Well, it's that. And also I, I hate for people to give up on themselves that quickly. Right. You know, it's like I said it before, but be patient and give yourself grace that it doesn't happen overnight. Anything, 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 nothing happens overnight. Nothing. And one day it does really just click and you have to be willing to wait to get to that point. Yes. You have to wait it out. Okay. You may not like this question. I'm generally very positive, but I do think it's helpful for people to get this perspective just in terms of like how they approach things as a trainer, as a physical fitness guru, what questions or concepts like pain you? Like for me, it's like when people ask about the keto diet or like, when oh, people are like that lifting weight is going to make women bulky. Okay. Yeah. Like that, that one does it for me. I am the biggest proponent of strength training. I think that it increases bone density. It does all of these things that are incredible for us as we continue to get older and our bodies change and how we can adapt and how we can continue to build strength safely. And I, and, and people are afraid of weight and, and, and not to categorize women, but women are afraid of this idea of quote, getting bulky. Right. And I'm like, listen, you know, Laura, you're not gonna, Laura is a general person. I don't know Laura in real life, honestly, but like, you're not, you lift in 20 pounds. You are not going to go into this crazy hypertrophy and, and increase your muscle mass. It's not like you're, you're a CrossFitter throwing around 400 pounds, you know, like what you are doing is, is, um, lowering your body fat percentage with strength training, increasing bone density and doing all of these things that is going to ultimately make you feel real strong and real good. Absolutely. That's like, that's the number one question that I'm like, or comment that I'm like, "Mm, are we still like, I just feel like it's such a dated way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Like scared to bulk up. Yeah. They don't want to lift the weights. They don't want to bulk up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, like I said, I train a lot of brides and, um, I train this one bride who is a beast in the gym. She works so hard, like never questioned anything I did. And she told me, she walked in on our first day of training and she said, listen, I'm wearing a strapless dress. I want to feel really strong is what she said, quote. And I said, all right, that we can do. And I remember, you know, we were doing rows with like 30 pounds, you know, like single arm rows. And she was like, is this like too heavy? And I said, does it feel too heavy for you to lift? And she said, no. And I said, so what are you afraid of? She said, is it going to make my arms like really big? And I said, I understand your, your, um, your fear, but do you trust me? And she said, yes. And then after her wedding, she was like, I have, I have never felt stronger. I've never felt more beautiful. And like, that's the, like, that's the thing. There is such beauty and strength. Like I, I want I, my, like the words that make my ears perk up is someone saying to me, like, I feel so strong for me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that you feel that way. And I'm sure too, just like as a professional, you live to hear that because it's like you did your job. She feels great. She feels strong. And that's like part of your purpose. That's Mm -hmm. part of like the Madison Rotner experience, at least what I'm gathering. (laughs) 
Definitely. Try. I have to ask as a dietitian, what do you eat before a soul cycle class? Cause you're like, you're not just working out. You are taught. Like, I don't know how people, I can barely do the bike. You're yeah. on there talking. Full conversation. Yeah. What do you eat to fuel that? So that's a really good question. Now I'll be very, very transparent. If I am teaching six, seven in the morning, I'm not eating before. Um, I'm having a cup of coffee and I have a cup of coffee and a date every morning. Like that's my thing. And I am good to go. Now, if I'm teaching 9 30, 10 30, 12, whatever it is, I'd say I can eat breakfast for every single meal of the day, like mm-hmm. different forms of breakfast. But for me, the easiest go-to right before a workout is honestly a banana, um, oatmeal, something that's really quick, converts quickly. And like, you could speak way more on this. And I would actually love to hear your perspective on what I do eat right before, but a banana and like, um, like a cup of oatmeal or half cup of oatmeal, whatever it is, a little packet for me, it feels, I just hate to feel really full on the bike because I can't do my job. If I'm like, oh my God, is this going to come back up? But that for me is is like an hour before just like having a banana or a, like some oatmeal for me is the best thing for me. Those seem like amazing options. I also think timing is really important. So like not eating too close to a workout because you're digesting, digesting. You don't want to be gassy. You don't want to cramp. Right. Um, bananas are amazing. They have the potassium for your yeah. muscles. And listen, my feet sometimes cramp on that bike, so I have a banana. Yeah. And then you mentioned for the early classes, you have coffee and a date, mm-hmm. just one date. Dates are also high in potassium and a great source of natural sugar. So, and I, and I honestly do it because I have the craziest sweet tooth on the planet. And <laughs> for me, it's my little like, you know, bitter and sweet moment. But I also do find, and again, one date is that really like, you know, it's obviously nutritionally dense, but it's it's not the most powerful thing on the planet, but it does make a big difference for me, I feel like. Just that little bit of quick sugar just helps me. You feel it. Yeah. Well, that's what matters. I can speak to that too. Like if I work out fasted versus after having, I don't know, a piece of dry toast, like I mm-hmm. feel, I don't even want to say I feel stronger, but I do feel like I can push myself harder. You feel more energized maybe. Yes, absolutely. Like I personally notice a difference. I definitely go in hydrated. I'm very big into hydration. Yeah. As many of the listeners know, what's your take on hydration as? Listen, I am a tangible goal person, like I said. So my goal is to have, we have liter water bottles at SoulCycle and that's what I get for every class. So I have to be drinking at least one of those per class that I'm teaching. My goal is to get three liters of water a day because if I am not properly hydrated, I feel it. And we can literally do tests and there have been a million research studies on this, of course, but I feel lethargic. I don't feel... I don't, I don't feel as secure in my fitness when I'm not properly hydrated. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I'm obsessed with hydration for a lot of reasons. And the first thing people report, most people I see coming in are dehydrated. Everyone thinks they drink a lot of water. They don't. We get them hydrated. The first thing they always report, oh, I have so much more energy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what my gauge is? Uh, A physical gauge of my water intake. If I take off, I like ride in like higher socks uh, just because I don't like my heel slips, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's that's specific. But if I take off my socks and there are like lines on my legs, like because of the elasticity in my skin, just like isn't properly hydrated and can't bounce back as quickly. I'm like, I'm so dehydrated. Yeah. I need so much more water. That's, I love that you mentioned that because I think 
for people, you know, counting ounces. It, for some people, it works. Like, oh, I have to have two of these water bottles a day. I'm hydrated. Great. I know where I, the number I need to hit. But having indicators like that, like mm-hmm. your skin turgor or understanding for you, like for you, it's very specific. These socks, taking them yeah. off, the lines. If you can just find indicators like that in general, I think for people, it's so helpful. Like assimilating, it sounds silly, but like assimilating some sort of sign in your wellness routine where you're like, okay, I'm dehydrated because yeah. I know the way the socks fit normally. I know when I'm hydrated. I know when I'm dehydrated. And like, that's a clear indicator. I need to get yeah. the water. It's it's hard though. Like drinking water is hard. <laughs> it's a hard thing to do, but I think that it's one of the best things that you can do. And you could speak on this more, of course, but it, 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 it is a game changer. It's a game changer. My first episode was on hydration and I focused more as well on like constipation and, mm-hmm. um, you know, regular bowel movements, things like that. Cause this is the shit talk podcast after yeah. all, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, that's something people come to a dietitian. They want a dramatic life-changing plan. I you say, where's your water? water. Yeah. <laughs> I get their water. I'm like, let's work on your water. And they leave. They're kind of disappointed. I'm like, that is a life-changing plan. I'm like, come back to me in three weeks after being hydrated. Do you, um, is there kind of less like an umbrella quantity or is it very individualized to what you suggest? So the general rule of thumb is half your body weight in ounces, ounces right. per day. More if you're in a really hot climate, more if you're exercising vigorously. <laughs> Yeah, well, like sweating because you need yeah. to losses, but obviously, like Soul Cycle, you need to be having more than half right. Your body. Well, when they, when I went through Soul Cycle training, they basically were like, you need to have a bottle before, during, and after. Like that is what is going to set you up for success per class. Okay, of the one liters, not of the one liters. We didn't have one liters. I was going to say that might be a lot, but no, maybe- water. No, no, it was it was pre one liter days. It was like a normal, you know, whatever. What's a normal? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would make sense to me. Definitely going in hydrated, finishing one, and then having one after to replenish. I like that rule of thumb. Good. Okay. I have one last question. It's a little off topic. Let's hear it. I like the way you live your life, obviously, or you would not be on here because trust me, I'm not talking to anyone I don't like. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You could be sure as shit is of that. Um, What does your morning routine look like? Oh my gosh, my morning routine is so sacred to me. So, so okay. I know this is like I've we've never talked about this to everyone listening, but I just know from talking to you that this is like something for you to talk about. Like I know this is like a huge part of your day. I want to hear about it. Now, this is either gonna really, really irk someone, or they're gonna be like, "Oh, this all makes sense." But <laughs> if you're into astrology, and I'm not the craziest astrological person, I am a Leo Sun, and I'm a rising Virgo. And I'm a Libra moon, if anyone was curious about my baby, but whatever. <laughs> the Virgo in me is the most structured, organized, routine-based person. So honestly, to a fault, if I don't have my morning routine the way I like it, I kind of feel a little thrown off. But I'll, I'll explain a normal day in my life, I suppose. Um, I'm up pretty early because I either have a personal client or soul cycle in the morning. So I'm up between 5.30 and 6.30 every morning. And I'm out my door between, you know, 6 and 6.30 every morning. And um, I've kind of mastered my morning routine. And I wake up and the night before I grind my own beans and I have my coffee ready just to press play on my coffee maker. I press start on my coffee maker. So I make it the night before, but I wake up in the morning 
I have a traditional coffee brewer. So I press start, I make my bed. Um, I have to make my bed. If I don't make my bed, there's something seriously wrong while the coffee's brewing. And then by the time I'm done making my bed, traditionally, um, my coffee's done. Pour my coffee, have my date, and I um, open my computer and I like look at if I have any emails and I sit and I listen to a podcast and spend like 30 minutes just like setting myself up for what I want to do. I think that it's really important to give to yourself before you give to others and you can't pour from an empty cup. So for me, that kind of fills my cup uh, before I'm able to, you know, take on the world in the day and, and give to people for hours. Yes. I love that. I'm a morning person as well. So I really appreciate that. And I don't know, I'm smiling right now. No one else can see that. Maybe they can hear it, but nothing makes me happier than like a bomb ass morning routine. Mm-hmm. Like I live for my mornings. By yeah. the time noon by the time noon rolls around, I'm like, I've lived like five days. Quite literally, I have solved world peace and ended world hunger. Like by noon every single day. And the truth is it's so simple. Like it's making my own coffee, drinking my coffee and making my bed. Like it's it's not rocket science, you know, but for me, it makes me feel grounded. I feel like I make my bed and I've like kind of have a clean slate. And I'm also the type of person, like I will not get in my bed until it's time to go to bed. I'm a big napper, but I nap on the couch. Um, like that is, I, I have to like separate, okay, now it's time to start the day. Absolutely. No, I think that's really helpful for people. And, you know, everyone's different, but if you can find two or three things in your morning to do that make you happy, that help set you up for success, give you the structure, make you feel grounded and make you feel like I did something for myself. This was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Like that can make all the difference. Yeah. I I agree with you. Well, Madison, this has been easily the best afternoon I've had this week. Um, but such an amazing time. I can't wait for you to come back on shit talk. Literally. we're counting down the seconds. When can I do it again? I know literally like it's kind of pathetic. Why are you talking? Like we need to schedule the next one. Yes. Once I have my witchy premonitions come true. (laughs) Yes. You'll have to follow up, but this has been so fun. Thank you for coming on. Where can all the shit talk listeners find you? Yes. So I am everywhere all at once, but I'm based in New York City. You can find me at SoulCycle in New York City. Um, If you are not local, I am on Instagram, Madison Rotner. It's Madison with two Ds because my parents made it hard for me to get a license plate at Disneyland growing up. But Madison Rotner with two Ds on TikTok, on Instagram. I'm kind of everywhere all over socials. And additionally, I have a website, madisonrotner.com, where I have a whole on-demand platform. So if you are looking for 30 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour long, just to move yourself in the comfort of your own home. Typically, all you need is like a mat. Um, I have some heavy-weighted stuff, body-weight stuff, more strength, uh, even like foam rolling guides on my on-demand platform, madisonrotner.com. So you can you can find me everywhere, wherever you want me. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I will link to all this in the show notes. Of course, your Insta and your website. Thank you so much again. And I can't wait to have you back on in so I don't know, having me. a couple of months. I know. Bye. Bye.